Welcome to Simple Truth, the teaching ministry of Pastor Eddie Turner and Family Worship Center in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Through the practical and simple explanation of God's Word, Pastor Eddie has taught the Word of God to thousands of people around the world. The following message is from a recent service at Family Worship Center in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Let's join Pastor Eddie as he shares simple truths from God's Word. Isaiah chapter 58. I want to let you know that next Sunday, Labor Day, uh, Memorial Day Sunday and Labor Day Sunday, uh, we have uh, just one service on that Sunday of that weekend. And next Sunday is Memorial Day Sunday. So next Sunday we'll just have one service. And for the 9 o'clock crowd, they've got to come an hour later. And for the 11 o'clock crowd, you come an hour earlier. So our service is going to be at 10 a.m., one service next Sunday at 10 a.m. I encourage you. You say, well, there'll be so many people here that uh, won't be a seat. we are put out extra chairs, and uh, so we'll, we'll have room for you. But I encourage you, don't come in here 15 minutes late, or you'll be sitting up here on the platform with me. All right? So next Sunday, it's 10 a.m., and uh, this might be just the last uh, Sunday we'll be able to do this due to the growth of our church. Uh, we're just having uh, uh, realizing it's getting more difficult to get everybody in on one service, even if we put extra chairs out, even on a holiday weekend. So next Sunday, 10 a.m., be sure to be here, and be here f- just a few minutes early so you can get a, a seat in the house. Isaiah chapter 58 is where I'm going to read today. And let me give you a little background on this, this passage. Um, we're going to talk about fasting today. Now, <laughs> you know, this is not a subject I, I preach about a lot. It's kind of hard for a heavy pastor to preach on fasting. So I don't have a lot to say, so it's going to be a short sermon. And, uh, but but, in, but in, in reality, the truth is, fasting is a Old Testament and spiritual discipline uh, for the people of God. But unfortunately in America, we don't believe in doing without. Uh, therefore, we don't practice it in the church. But it's still a spiritual discipline, and I'll show you from, from Scripture. But what in Isaiah chapter 58, the whole chapter is on fasting. And, and the Lord is talking to the nation of Israel who had gotten away from God. They were rebelling against God. They were living like ungodly people. But they still continued to fast because they, it was a part of their spiritual discipline. You know, there's, there's people that take the Lord's Supper every week but don't live like Christians during the week. It just becomes a ritual to them. So the nation of Israel, the nation of Israel was fasting. It had become a ritual, but there was getting no results. So the Holy Spirit through the prophet Isaiah, addresses this issue. And this is what he says in Isaiah chapter 58, verse number 6. He says, this is the kind of fast day I'm after. He says, not like what you've been doing. He says, here's what I'm after when you fast, to break the chains of injustice, to get rid of exploitation in the workplace, to free the oppressed, And to cancel debts. What I'm interested in seeing you do is share your food with the hungry. Inviting the homeless poor into your homes. 
putting clothes on the shivering ill-clad, being available to your own families. He says, if you'll fast with that result in mind, he says, here's what will happen. Do this and the lights will turn on. Your lives will turn around at once. Your righteousness will pave your way. The glory of the God of glory will secure your passage. Then you will pray, God will answer. Isn't that a wonderful promise? You pray, God will answer. You'll call out for help and I'll say, here am I. Verse 9. If you get rid of unfair practices, quit blaming victims, quit gossiping about other people's sins. Can I get an amen in the house? If you're generous with the hungry and start giving yourselves to the down and out, your lives will begin to glow in the darkness. Your shadowed lives will be bathed in sunlight. I will always show you where to go. I'll give you a full life. I love this one. I'll give you a full life in the emptiest of places. You'll have firm muscles, strong bones, You'll be like a well-watered garden, a gurgling spring that never runs dry. You'll use the old rubble of past lives to build anew. Rebuild the foundations from out of your past. You'll be known as those who can fix anything, restore old ruins, rebuild and renovate, make the community livable again. What wonderful promises to people who understand and practice the godly discipline of fasting. On Sunday mornings during the month of May, we have been teaching, I've been teaching during this whole month on the subject of prayer. And each week we have handed out a form just like this one. And each week we have a prayer focus and we list four different prayer requests and we have asked our church family to take this home Put it on your refrigerator, put it in your Bible, on your nightstand, somewhere where you see it regularly during the day. And we've asked every one of our church family to take a few moments just to pray over these requests. This week, our prayer focus, since this is graduation weekend, our prayer focus is for our students and for our children. And for those of you of our church family who have taken these cards and prayed over these items faithfully, I want to say thank you. Thank you so very much. I guarantee you God has heard you and He's working in your behalf. You know, the Bible tells us that when we pray effectively, we give the Holy Spirit an invitation and permission to invade our situation. When you and I pray effectively, we give the Holy Spirit an invitation and permission to invade our situation. I shared with you two weeks ago that the founder of the Methodist Church, John Wesley, he made this statement. He says, it seems God is limited by our prayer life. God can do nothing for mankind unless someone asks him. John Wesley said that. He says, God is limited by your prayer life. In other words, God can't work in your life unless you invite Him in. He can't work in my life unless I invite Him in. He can't work in our nation unless we invite Him in. He can't work in our children unless we invite Him in. John Wesley says, it seems like God is limited by our prayer life. God can do nothing for mankind unless someone asks Him. 
I shared with the first crowd this morning, I hear many Christians bemoaning their present plight in life. They complain about where they are, what they're doing, what's going on, how they're feeling, their job, their lack. I hear many Christians complain about it all week long. And then I begin to dig a little bit. And I discover that most of those people that are complaining are doing very little praying. They enjoy complaining about their situation, but they do not faithfully invite God to intervene in their situation. Can I get an amen in the house? Listen to what James says. He addressed this issue. The writer of James, in James chapter 4, verse 2, he says, You desire, but you do not have. So you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. Then he says, look at what he says. He just wraps it up in one sentence. You do not have because you do not ask God. That's exactly what John Wesley was saying. It seems God is limited by our prayer life. He can do nothing. God can do nothing for mankind unless someone asks him. And that's what James says. He says you don't have what you need because you're not asking God to help you in this situation. Oh, the benefits, the benefits. We're not talking about a religious activity that brings no fruit. We're not talking about doing something as a spiritual exercise to get us into heaven. We're already going to heaven if you're born again. We're talking about something that brings benefit to our life. Just spending a few moments, a few minutes, let's say spending 15 minutes a day, Praying, speaking to God, allowing God to speak back to you. Fifteen minutes, the benefits. I'm not talking about a drudgery. I'm talking about something that adds to my life. What are some of the benefits that just spending 15 minutes? Just think about it. Fifteen minutes a day. We'll wait 15 minutes in the Starbucks line. We wait 15 minutes in the school line to pick our kids up. We'll wait 15 minutes to get our order at the the restaurant. Or wait for our drinks for 15 minutes. 15 minutes. It takes you ladies more than 15 minutes to decide what outfit you're going to wear four times a day. 15 minutes. And the benefit it brings. Well, what benefit does it bring? Well, number one, we invite God to get involved in our situation. Oh, he wants to. He he is as hurt about your situation as you are. He's as broken about my difficulty as I am. He's just waiting for an invitation to get involved. He's a gentleman. He will not blast in somewhere he's not invited. See, when we spend just a few minutes a day praying... We invite God to get involved in our situation. Number two, we acknowledge our dependence upon Him. Listen, when I stop and just say, Lord, for 15 minutes, I'm just going to pray and I'm just going to spend time with you. What we're saying is, I can't effectively command my day without you. We are a proud, haughty people. 
And we need to re- get back to remembering we are nothing without God. We are nothing. And spending some time. See, when I don't have time for, you know what? When we don't have time to pray, you know what we're saying? We don't have time for you. What we're doing is too important for you. I can handle this on my own. I got this. I got this. I got this. But see, if we'll just spend a few minutes every day praying, we are saying, Lord, I acknowledge my dependence on you. Listen to what the Word says. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. Seek His will in all that you do, and He will show you which path. I can't believe I'm in this mess. I can't believe. Did you pray and ask Him? He'll show you which path to take. Number three. What's the benefits of just spending a few minutes in prayer every day? We slow down and become sensitive to eternal things. Most of us spend our time, mental and physical energy and financial resources, on things that ten years from now will be gone. I guarantee you, every one of us this week have spent all of our mental energy, most of our money, most of our physical abilities on things that ten years from now we're not even going to have anyway. And when we spend just a few minutes a day in prayer, what we're saying is, I am going to slow down and I'm going to spend a few moments on eternal things. What are the benefits of just spending a few moments in prayer? Here's my favorite one that the Lord showed Amanda and I over the years. We get ahead and prepared for our tomorrows. We get ahead and prepared for our tomorrows. I heard somebody say, oh, I wouldn't have any children nowadays. I wouldn't have any children. You never know what they're going to get into. Not if you're a person of prayer. Do you not believe in the power of protection? And the God who knows the end from the beginning? Prayer, just spending a few minutes in prayer every day, it gets us sensitive to the Spirit of God. And we slow down and we get our mind on eternal things. And then we start to get ahead of our tomorrow. We get ahead of our tomorrow. The Lord will reveal some things to us. Let me show it to you from Scripture. Look with me at a Scripture. John chapter 16, verse number 13. Notice what it says. When the Spirit of truth comes, John chapter 16, verse 13. John 16, 13. When the Spirit of truth, that's the Holy Spirit. Notice what it says. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own, but He will tell you what He has heard. Now look at this last sentence. He will tell you about the future. The Holy Spirit will show you things to come so that you and I won't get caught off guard if we'll spend a few minutes with Him every day in prayer. He will just give you an, an unction. He will give you an intuition. He will let you know just on the inside something is not right or go this direction. He'll show you things to come. Our daughter, Casey, she's in the first service, she sang up here a while ago. Uh, she's always been a girl who prays. And uh, she owns uh, the store out in the avenue. And uh, she prays over that store every day. She goes in there and prays. Her mama goes in there and prays. Prays blessing. And uh, no corporate pays for that stuff. Casey pays for all that stuff that's in there, all that inventory. Nobody helps her. She pays for it. It comes, she paid for it. And uh, every once in a while, we'll have a shoplifter. Yeah. 
Can you believe that? People take things that are not theirs. Can you believe that? Come on. Um, well, yesterday, we've got, she's, she's got these nice sunglasses up next to the cash. I call it a cash register. What do y'all call it, Amanda? A POS, point of sale. How many call it a cash register? Hallelujah. I call it, well, she's got these nice sunglasses, and they cost about $60 a piece. And, 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 and she's got them all displayed there. And, and the way she's got them displayed, she knows when one is sold. So uh, yesterday she walks out from the office and she, she was standing up there and she saw where one of them was empty, the way it was displayed. And she said, who sewed the sunglasses? And the, the girls said, oh, we didn't sell any sunglasses. And she looked and the display thing was gone. She said, somebody stole these sunglasses. So she immediately went to the cameras. We've got cameras. And she pulled them up and saw a couple were there who had trying on sunglasses. And all of a sudden on the camera, it showed the young lady put some in her purse. And Casey said, I got you. And then she said, I prayed, Holy Spirit. If they're still on the property in the avenues, show me where they are. And he said, immediately, the Holy Spirit said, go to Dick's Sporting Goods. Dick's Sporting Goods is, if you've been to our store, or Casey's store, it's five stores down. You pass Zoomies, Buckle, Torrid, Bed Bath and Beyond, and then you get to Dick's. She passed all those stores and walked into Dick's Sporting Goods, and as she was walking in, the couple that stole the sunglasses were checking out. She said, thank you, Holy Ghost. She called security and said, I got them. They said, hold on. We'll be there. She said, me and the Holy Ghost can't wait on you. (laughs) They walked out of the store. She was standing behind a pillar. She waited till they got on the sidewalk. She was standing behind one of those big rock pillars. They walked out. She stepped in front of them and said, can I, can I ask you a question? Were you just in my store? Lizard ticket? And the girl goes, oh, no, 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 no. We wasn't in your store. She said, well, that's interesting. I have you on camera stealing sun, my sunglasses and putting them in your purse. No, 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 no. She said, you stole my sunglasses and you put them in your purse. I want my sunglasses back. And the girl opened her purse and handed her the sunglasses. And of course, then Casey, Casey preached to her and told her, you need Jesus and you're going to split hell wide open. Before you get there, before you get there, before you get there, you're going to go to jail if you do this ever again. But the point I want to make is simply this. She had slowed down enough during the week and spends a little, just a little time with the Holy Spirit, that when she needed Him, He showed her something to come. He showed her something about the future. He revealed to her, and and you say, now listen to me, listen to me. You say, well, that's crazy. Is it? Listen, if He is so loving toward us, that He'll help a little store owner recover a, a $60 pair of sunglasses... How much more will he not help you when you've got serious issues in your life? 
See, he is concerned about the things that concern us. And he's wanting, he's hollering, he's yelling, he's interested, he's desiring to help us. But we won't slow down enough to give him 15 minutes a day so we can learn to hear his voice when he speaks to us. Oh, praying a few minutes every day is not a spiritual drudgery. It adds benefit to our lives. Everybody still here? Let me talk to you for 14 minutes about fasting because I'm getting hungry. (laughs) Matthew chapter 17. Turn over to Matthew chapter 17. I ought to get Lana up here to talk about fasting. Matthew chapter 17. It's a very interesting story in the Bible. Matthew chapter 17 verse 14. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to Jesus, kneeling down to Jesus and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? I mean, we prayed for him and couldn't get get him free. Verse 20. So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. For assuredly I say to you, If you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible to you. Then he says something very interesting. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Notice he didn't say this kind doesn't go out except by prayer, but by prayer and fasting. A very unique story. The dad brings his son who is sick to the disciples of Jesus. And he asked the disciples of Jesus to pray for his son because apparently he had heard and he had seen the disciples pray for others and they be healed. So he brings his son to Jesus, who is, who are to the disciples, to get prayer. And when they pray for him, the son does not improve. The son doesn't get any better. He doesn't get cured. So he brings him to Jesus. Jesus exercises authority cast out the devil, and the son is cured. Later on, the disciples pull Jesus aside privately, and they ask, why couldn't we get the boy free? What were we not doing, or what could we have done to have gotten this young man free? Jesus responded, that unbelief hinders faith, and then he says something amazing. Verse 21 of Matthew chapter 17. He says something amazing. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Listen to what Jesus says. Every one of us, please listen to what, listen to this. Because we all face these issues in our life. Listen to this. Jesus declares that there are some mountains. 
And there's some strongholds and some challenges. There's some evil that we face in life that requires an authority and power that only comes through prayer and fasting. There are some things in life. We, we, we always want to get people to pray. And that's wonderful. That's wonderful. It, it helps. But there are some mountains. There are some strongholds that an, another ingredient has to be added to the prayer. And that is fasting. The word fast or fasting means a voluntary abstinence from food. The literal Hebrew translation means not to eat. The literal Greek translation means no food. Fasting is an understood biblical principle that was a regular part of the spiritual discipline of God's people, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Fasting. It, it, it was just understood. People in the Old Testament understood they, were, they needed to fast, and people in the New Testament understand, stood. The early church understood you needed to fast. In fact, today, medical science will tell you that fasting is good for you medically. Health-wise, fasting is good for you. But even in the Old Testament, before these medical studies and all these achievements of today, and in the New Testament, it was just an understood principle that there was a dynamic that occurred when people went without food, and in turn, instead of using that time to feed their flesh, they would spend that time with God. A spiritual dynamic ensued because of that sacrifice. Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 2, I'm sorry. Matthew chapter 2, verse 18. Notice what it says. Once when John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, some people came to Jesus and asked, Why don't your disciples fast like John's disciples and the Pharisees do? Notice it was a custom to fast. And everybody knew that if you were going to really serve God, you had to fast. You needed to fast. Jesus replies, Do wedding guests fast? While celebrating with the groom? Of course not. They can't fast while the groom is with them. But someday the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. Jesus was the groom. He has been taken away. We're the bride of the groom. He says when the broom has been taken away, groom has been taken away, not the broom. When the groom, when the, when the groom, when the groom has been taken away, that's when we fast. When the groom has been taken away, that's when we fast. Look with me at Matthew chapter 6. Turn over to Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew, I'm I'm going to read Matthew chapter 6 verse 16. But before I read that verse, I'm not going to take time to read it. But in verse 9, Jesus, his disciples come to him and say, teach us how to pray. And Jesus taught them the prayer that every one of us have quoted multiple times. The Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. It's the most noted prayer of all time. Jesus' disciples asked, how do we pray? Jesus said, here's the model you follow. That's in verses 9 through 15. He doesn't break subject. He doesn't even break breath. He goes in verse 16 and he says, And when you fast, 
Don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people admire them for their fasting. I will tell you the truth. That is the only reward they will get. But when you fast, comb your hair. Let me say this. Comb your hair when you don't fast. All right? It It might not help you, but it really helps us. It's a blessing to us. Comb your hair, wash your face. Then no one will notice that you are fasting except your Father who knows what you do in private and your Father who sees everything will reward you. Now notice what he's telling. They say, teach us how to pray. He gives them the most popular prayer ever known to man. And then he says, and when you fast. Notice Jesus did not say, if you fast. He said, when you fast. In other words, it was just an understood principle. Fasting is an understood biblical principle that was a regular part of the spiritual discipline of God's people in both the Old and the New Testament. But unfortunately, unfortunately, American Christians cannot stand the thought of doing without. So the spiritual discipline of fasting is not emphasized. And in turn, many of our prayers against big mountains, strongholds, go unanswered. Because we have not been taught the power of fasting. The Bible does not lay down any solid rules on when to fast or how to fast. In fact, in all the epistles to the churches, from the book of Galatians to the book of Revelation, those are words written to churches. The Bible doesn't tell us when to fast or how to fast. Because it's fasting is as the occasion arises. Fasting is to be done as the occasion. You run into something you can't get an answer on. You run into something you can't get over. You run into a situation that it seems almost impossible. Then the occasion has escalated to the point, I need something more than just prayer. I'm going to add fasting to the equation. Because fasting is prayer's secret weapon. The purpose of a spiritual fast is to get a breakthrough on a particular matter that is lifted up to the Lord in prayer. The discipline of fasting was a practice which was encouraged even by the leaders in the United States. In the summer of 1623, the pilgrim's corn crop was in trouble due to a drought that had occurred between May, June, and July of 1623. So the local government set apart a day asking the people to fast and pray. And by evening of that day, the rain came. And the natives were so impressed by the rain, many of them turned to Jesus Christ. President Abraham Lincoln called for three national fasts during the Civil War. President Lincoln asked our nation to fast and pray for the restoration of national peace and unity. So fasting has always been a part of the Christian dynamic and God dynamic. Well, what does it do? Come on, Pastor, tell me what it does. And what I'm talking about, if I'm not, you know, you hear these people do these 40 day fast. Well, if the Lord leads you to a 40 day fast, go for it. Give me your Dairy Queen gift cards. Ah. I don't have anything that big. To, I can get over my stuff in a couple of days. You, 
You got big problems, you fast for it. Hallelujah. I'm not just talking about fasting food. What about fasting TV one night? See, fasting is nothing more than putting, saying to our flesh, we're going to put you on the back burner and we're going to put God on the front burner. We're talking about, hey, here's one. How about fasting Facebook? <laughs> fasting social. Can, you, can, can your flesh do without looking at your phone for a day? Oh, oh, oh. Uh, you know what happened? Something else is controlling your life other than the Holy Spirit. And that's what fasting does. Fasting is saying, I'm going to allow the Spirit of God to control my life, not my flesh to control my life. What does fasting do? Well, let me tell you what it doesn't do first. It doesn't change God. You're not going to talk God into doing something He don't want to do because you go without a meal. Fasting doesn't change God. Look at Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. For I am the Lord, I do not change. That is why you descendants of Jacob uh, are not already destroyed. He says, I'm a merciful God. If I wasn't a merciful God, and I'm not going to change just because you're an idiot. He says, if I wasn't a merciful God, I'd already wiped you off the planet. But he says, I am the Lord God, I do not change. I was merciful then, I'm merciful now. Listen to what he says in Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So fasting doesn't change God. Well, then what, what good is it? Well, fasting changes us. It changes us. When we fast, for that moment, we are making our flesh become servant to our spirit man. And whether we want to admit it or not, we are flesh-driven. We want to walk and talk by how we feel, what we see, what we hear. Our flesh dominates our life. We get mad and our flesh explodes. We don't feel good, so we normally give in. We are tired and don't want to get out of the recliner, so what do we do? Mama! Wife! Give me that iced tea! Because our flesh doesn't want to give in. In fasting, in fasting, we put our flesh under. We say no to our appetites and yield to our spirit man. Then our spirit man becomes more sensitive and we become more sensitive to the Spirit of God that lives on the inside of us. Listen, the Holy Spirit is wanting to get involved in your and my life. But most of us have our flesh and our unrenewed mind talk so loud, we can't hear the Holy Spirit when He's trying to suggest to us to do something. And when we fast, if it's just a meal a month or a meal a week, or one day a month, if we just say, listen, we're going to turn the TV off tonight and we're going to listen 
to worship music and we're going to read and we're going to talk as a family. We're not going to fill our minds with that tonight. Or I'm just not going to eat lunch on Thursday. I'm not going to eat lunch. I'm going to take that 30 minutes and I'm going to spend time in the presence of the Lord. Or I tell you what, this, this weekend, we're not going to the lake. We're not going to the lake. We're going to, we're going to spend our weekend as a family and we're going to go to worship and we're going to spend some time with the Lord. If whatever it is, you give up. If you, when you kill that up that your flesh wants to do and you turn your attention upon the Lord, it opens your spirit. Your spirit suddenly becomes conqueror and king of your life for that moment. And the Holy Spirit then can begin to make himself known to you. And your flesh has to get down. Get down. And he wants to impart to you. He wants to show you things. He wants to help you with things. He wants to, but most of us are so busy following these flesh desires, we can't hear him. It's not that we don't want to, we just miss him. So, he changes us. And then finally, fasting changes the balance of power in the spirit realm. Doesn't change God, changes us. But then it changes the balance of power in the spirit realm. There are forces against you. And there are forces against me and there's forces against our children and our families. And those forces are going to dominate until we change the balance of power. Look what it says in Daniel chapter 10. Turn over to Daniel. Daniel chapter 10. I'll read this and, and then we'll go home, go get something to eat. Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10, verse 1. In the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia, Daniel, also known as Belshazzar, had another vision. He understood that the vision concerned events certain to happen in the future, times of war and great hardship. Verse 2. When this vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been mourning. One translation and a Hebrew translation, word for word, means I had been praying and fasting. For three whole weeks. So he'd been fasting. Then he says, all that time I'd eaten no rich food, no meat or wine, crossed my lips. And I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. On April 23rd, as I was standing on the bank of the great Tigris River, I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body looked like a precious gem. His face flashed like lightning, and his eyes flamed like torches. His arms and feet shone like polished bronze, and his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. Verse 7, only I, Daniel, saw the vision. The men with me saw nothing, but they were suddenly terrified and ran away to hide, so they sensed something. So I I was left there all alone to see this amazing vision. My strength left me. My face grew deathly pale, and I felt very weak. Then I heard the man speak, and when I heard the sound of his voice, I fainted and lay there with my face to the ground. Hoo-hoo. That's pretty serious stuff right here now. We're talking serious revelation. Just then a hand touched me and lifted me, still trembling to my hands and knees. In other words, he fell down. Then he gets up on his, we'd say, all fours. And the man said to me, Daniel, you are very precious to God. Oh, I love that. You know that's what God says to you. You're very precious to Him. 
You are very precious to God, so listen carefully for what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I've been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up still trembling. Verse 12. Then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day, since the first day, since the first day, which was three weeks ago, you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God. Your request has been heard in heaven. I have come to answer your prayer. But for 21 days, for three weeks, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. You say, what does that mean, Pastor? It literally means this. There was a resistance in the heavenlies. This resistance was hindering the will of God from coming to pass for the nation and for Daniel and for his family. I want you to understand there is a resistance in the heavenlies that's trying to keep the will of God from coming to pass for your life and for your children's life and for our nation's life. And the Bible says Daniel doesn't just pray... He fasted and prayed for 21 days. The Bible said as soon as he started to pray, the answer from heaven was released. But because it was just prayer, the answer couldn't get back until Daniel persisted in prayer and fasted. He put his flesh under, which gave his prayer life and his spirit life more power. And as he prayed... It motivated the other angels to come and to get involved in the conflict. And they finally overcome the resistance and brought the, angel, the answer to Daniel. His fasting, his prayer and fasting overcome the hurdle. Okay? I don't have time to tell you. But let me tell you this. Amanda and I have discovered this. There was a day in our life, years ago, we were broke. We were broke. I'm talking about broke. I'm not talking about, well, I, had, I just had a cash flow problem. I didn't have anything. I didn't own anything. I owned a car, and I was about to go behind on the payment. I didn't have a house. I was renting an apartment. Could hardly make the payment. Couldn't make utility payments. We were broke broke and I discovered a passage in Joel chapter 1 chapter 3 where Joel said call for a national fast you can't feed your children you can't do it call for a national fast and Joel started to get the people to fast and as they fasted the curse of poverty was broken over the people so I discovered that and Now listen, when you're broke and don't have any money, fasting is not hard. That's Because you ain't ain't got no money to go nowhere. And you can't go out and eat. So it's not a big sacrifice. It's just your part of life. But as I added prayer and fasting to it, all of a sudden God's hard to turn our financial situation around. It will break the curse of poverty over your life. Poverty is a curse. And fasting will break the curse of poverty over your life. Stand with me, would you? 
Thank you for listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Eddie Turner. Please join us at Family Worship Center, 3045 Memorial Boulevard, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, when you are in the Middle Tennessee area. You can also learn more about FWC at our website, www.familywc.com. Thank you again for listening to The Simple Truth. 